Hi, I'm Sylvain Berthelot, and you're listening to On One Condition, a podcast to raise awareness about health conditions by listening to people who live them every day. My guest today is Sarah Dirksen, and we're going to talk about NF1 and Sarah's son, August. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Hi, Sylvain. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm I'm doing well. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Great to hear. Uh, so I always like starting with a song. Uh, so would you like to tell us which song you chose and why? Yes. Well, um, you asked for a song that was either important to August or to me. Um, and although August loves music, um, I realized that most of his favorite songs, or actually all of them, are in Danish. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that, that's not bad. <laughs> no, but I thought to the listeners that are not Danish, it would probably be a bit tough to translate the meaning. Um, yeah. So I went with a song that is uh, that has a special meaning to myself. Um, it's called okay. "Never Give Up." Um, it's by Sia who is an Australian singer and songwriter, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I chose this one was because uh, I went, I actually went to Spotify to look through my most played songs in 2020, um, because that was one of the toughest period periods for our family. And it was also right mm -hmm. after August was diagnosed with NF1. Um, and yeah, so I, I went through my list and I found this one and I was reminded that um, during this period, August was a lot in the hospital and um, the only time I kind of had for myself to <laughs> to deal with my own emotions was when I was driving back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would listen to this song and I would just turn up the volume because it's a, it has a, a quick beat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I would I would sing along or scream. I think someone would say, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I just think it, it's, well, the lyrics was just kind of, yeah, it's about not giving up and um, yeah, it was kind of empowering um, and it was needed <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's why I chose this song. Nice. Uh, thanks for sharing. And it sounds like 2020 was a tough year. <laughs> So is this a, a good place to start? Yes, uh, we can yeah. definitely do that. Um, <laughs> so in, in, in 2020, or actually December 29 is when August uh, was diagnosed with NF1. Mm -hmm. And um, he was turning four also in December. Um, okay. So, so it was, he was not that young, <laughs> but of course still in the early childhood. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a, quite a shock for us um, to get this diagnosis um, because when he was born we we were convinced he was com completely healthy and um, yeah we had no uh, no idea that he was actually born with a, a rare genetic disorder um, mm -hmm. and yeah so he got the diagnosis in in the end of 2019 and then shortly after is uh, is when a period started where he we found out that he actually had quite a lot of complications due to this, um, to NF1. Um, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he was, he was hospitalized for a, a long period and they were doing a lot of tests and it was just um, our, our life was completely turned around at that point. 
Um, yeah. So that's when it all started. <laughs> yeah. So how did you first realize that like uh, August was having complications? So before the diagnosis and, um, then, and then what kind of, of complications do you have? Yeah. Um, well, my pregnancy and, and the birth of August was really without any complications at all. Um, mm -hmm. All scans and controls were clear. <laughs> so as I said, when August was born, we were convinced that he was healthy. Yeah. Um, but I think quite quickly, I, I started feeling that something wasn't quite right. Um, but at the same time, I, I was a first time mother and maybe not really trusting my own gut feeling or intuition. Mm -hmm. um, in, in, in Denmark, we have this mother's group where we meet four to six mothers, um, come together once a week while on maternity leave. And, and okay. it actually started because I was meeting with all these other mothers and babies and I was comparing August, <laughs> which I think is quite uh, normal. Um, yeah. and I was yeah. just seeing that he, he, um, he wasn't developing as fast as the other babies. He was, um sleeping a lot <laughs> especially okay. during the day not eating a lot um mm -hmm. yeah and i just had this feeling that something was wrong but at the same time the um, health nurse and my general practitioner kept telling me that he was fine and i shouldn't compare and i shouldn't be worried so i okay. yeah and that so really from from early on i I, we were in and out of health checks with him. Um, and at some point, they also started recognizing that, okay, he is actually <laughs> developing a bit slowly, especially uh, with his motorical um, milestones, I think they call it. Um, like um, smiling, crawling, sitting, those things, walking. <laughs> um, but no one really suspected a genetic um, disorder being the, the cause of it. Um, but then when he was three and a half years old, we, we went to the hospital again, um, not for something serious, just uh, he had another issue that, that's not related to NF1 and we were going there for a control visit. Um, and, and then there was a new doctor that day and and he looked at August and he, he, he pointed at his, <laughs> he had these uh, spots on his stomach and his back, which I now know is called cephalomacules. Um, they are kind of patches <laughs> um, that are darker than, than the rest of the skin. And he, he saw these and he said, oh, does August have NF1? <laughs> and I, I just looked at him and said, no, what is, what, what is NF1? <laughs> Um, and, and that's when it all started. So we were, or August was referred to the, uh, the, um, the, the part where they, they have, they see uh, people with rare diseases and that's when they started or they suspected NF1. So you realized by chance, so it wasn't <laughs> yes. a complication that led you to, to have the diagnosis, no. but it sounds that it sounds like after that. The complications started uh, showing up. Is that right? Yes. So, okay. well, retrospectively, <laughs> there were signs. Um, okay. August was um, 
very sensitive. He was always uh, stumbling, falling over things, um, walking mm -hmm. into doors, which was, <laughs> which was a uh, very uh, visible to everyone else, um, yeah. or corners, things like that. And so when he was diagnosed with NF1, I was reading about this disorder and the most common uh, manifestations. And I, I realized that a lot of children have uh, tumors on the optic nerves, which uh, okay. can cause um, reduced vision or even uh, loss of vision, completely loss of vision. And um, and I asked the doctor, could these issues that he had could could they be related to a tumor in the brain? And they they told me they they didn't suspect that because he was he was doing too well to <laughs> to suspect that he had anything. Um, but then, quite shortly after we got the diagnosis, he became ill uh, during Christmas, and he he was feeling dizzy, and he's he didn't have any appetite. He was, um, when he tried to eat, he would vomit. Um, and so after a week with these symptoms, he was hospitalized because he actually, he was, um, dehydrated. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then they decided to do an MRI because they couldn't find any reason for these symptoms. And yeah, so they did an MRI of the brain and they found that he actually had, um, and not that small tumor on his optic nerve. Um, wow. It's in the center of his brain. And that's when everything started because then of course they had to find out if the tumor was growing, if, if we needed chemotherapy. Um, mm -hmm. It's not possible to do surgery because it's in the center of the brain. So mm -hmm. surgery would have a high risk of doing harm to other functions. We then went to the ophthalmologist at the hospital and they could actually see that his vision was very uh, reduced. He has only um, about 30% vision in one eye and 50% in the other. So, okay. um, and yeah, of course, we now know that that's probably why he was having, <laughs> he was walking into things and he, he didn't see as we thought he was. Yeah. Um, and then um, in terms of complications, he, we also found out during this period that the tumor, uh, because of its location, it, it was also causing um, overproduction of different hormones, um, okay. growth hormone. And um, he had signs of precocious puberty. Okay. Um, so, so at four years of age, he was actually... Uh, going into puberty, which is not good <laughs> at all. Um, no. And so he, yeah, he also, he is having, he has been have been needing treatments for that ever since. Um, so I would say that the tumor and the issues that the tumor is causing is by far his most severe manifestations right now of NF1. Could you actually explain a bit more how does NF1 lead to uh, to this tumor? Yes. So <laughs> I think a lot of people, you like with, with most rare diseases, people don't know <laughs> what they really are uh, unless you have yeah. someone close to you affected. Um, mm -hmm. But NF1 is actually short for neurofibromatosis type 1. And neurofibromatosis is... Um, 
actually covers three different genetic disorders. Um, one is NF1, um, and then there's NF2, and most people would probably think NF3, but <laughs> it's not the case. It's <laughs> called swanomatosis. Um, okay. And while these three disorders do have some similarities, which is that they cause tumors to grow on nerves throughout the body, um, mm -hmm. they are actually completely unlinked and each caused by different mutations in different genes. Um, okay. But in total, uh, these three disorders affect about 4 million people worldwide. Um, and NF1 is the far more common of the three rare diseases. Okay. Um, and mutations in the NF1 gene, which is what August has, <laughs> um, can either be inherited, which is half of the cases, um, or it can result from spontaneous new mutations, which is the case for August. Um, neither myself or my husband has NF1. Um, and, and this gene is responsible for making a, a protein that affects many functions of the body. Um, one is that it regulates uh, cell division. So when you don't have or when you don't produce enough neurofibromin or the correct protein, um, it will cause tumors to form. Um, it can be in the skin. It can be uh, internal. It can be in the brain. It can actually be anywhere in the body. And besides this uh, impact on tumor development, um, the protein also um, impacts the brain um, in terms of the functioning of the brain, um, skeletal, and also muscular and cardiovascular systems. So it really is, or NF1 really is a multi-system uh, disorder. So for August, it has caused uh, a tumor in the brain. Um, actually, a lot of children or 15 to 20% of children with NF1 will form this type of tumor, but not everyone will have the same manifestations. It depends on the tumor size and the location. And does August have any other signs of tumors outside of this one in the brain? Well, so after finding this tumor, of course, they have done several scans to see if there are other things to be aware of. And, and mm -hmm. he does have some small tumors along his spine okay. um, but they are not symptomatic at this point um, but they are of course being followed to ensure that they do not start to grow or change <laughs> um, because with these tumors also comes a higher risk of malignancy or a malignant mm -hmm. transformation yeah. um, so of course we want to be sure that we catch any transformation um yeah early on <laughs> yeah of course yeah. yeah and then a lot of patients with nf1 will also have tumors in the skin which are called cutaneous neurofibromas they don't turn malignant um, at any point but they do have um they can have a significant social and uh, psychosocial burden on the patients because because if you have many of them, you can imagine that it, it affects their appearance and maybe their relation to people around them. But that is usually something that develops later on. Um, and if one is a progressive disorder, so some symptoms will develop in the childhood, but other symptoms will not develop until later in life. Okay. 
So it sounds like you had a, a, a tough 2020 on top of everything else that was going on that year. Yes. Um, after the like the realization of, of the, that tumor in the brain and and you said about uh, the impact on uh, the hormonal system, have things settled down in a way more recently or, or is it still something that, that you're discovering together with August? Well, I think the, the journey with NF will be a lifelong journey. And of course, there are periods with stability. Um, I think we have a period right now where there haven't come up new complications for a while um, and, and you kind of adjust to a new way of living and, and other expectations that you might had before. So yes, I, I do think that we are uh, in a better place now and yeah, in a, <laughs> in a more steady um, place at the moment. Um, August started school two years ago or one and a half year ago. And that was also a very um, stressful period because we didn't know at that point if he would be able to start in normal school or if he needed okay. uh, extra support in terms of his vision. Um, a lot of children with NF1 also have other issues like school-related issues or um, social deficits. Um, so at that point, there were a lot of uh, <laughs> balls in the air and things and unknowns. Um, but I think he ended up in a in a good place in in our local school, and that has been a relief to all of us that we could kind of um, continue a somewhat normal life <laughs> despite all all the all the things that, of course, is not normal in our life. But um, yeah, so so I, I would say we are in a good place right now. But of course, I I have days where the worries just take over, the worries about the future and how it will affect August. So it's not, all days are not easy, I would say. <laughs> no, no, I can imagine. It sounds tough. How is August doing overall? Um, is, is he enjoying school? And <laughs> like, it, the reason why I'm asking this question is like, I've, I've heard from adults explaining that growing with a rare disease it's always on the back of their mind in a way or, or restricting them. Do you feel like it is restricting August at the moment or, or not? I don't feel that it's restricting him, but of course it does affect his, um, his interaction with other kids. I mean, his issues are mostly visible in terms of the motorical um, mm -hmm. Symptoms, or I mean, he's he's running more slowly than other kids his age. He he gets lost in the when they are outside and the kids start running around. He he won't be able to see who is who and who went in okay. what direction. And that of course yeah. sets some boundaries for him. But I think on the other side, I would say he 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 managed to to find solutions and he has good strategies to <laughs> to solve problems or to just um he will not be he's resourceful yes he has many resources mm -hmm. um thank you <laughs> uh, he really does and that's it's really impressive to see um how good he manages um and actually we when we found out about nf1 we had this um we had a few meetings with a 
psychiatrist, not a psychiatrist, a psychologist <laughs> yeah. who kind of talked to us as parents about what it meant and how we were dealing with everything. And she told us that she thought we should talk to August about that he has NF1. We don't need to tell him about all the severe manifestations that might come along with it, but at least to to explain him that he has something that that and that's why he needs to go to the hospital and why he has he needs to go through things that not every ki other kid has to do. Um, and I think somehow he's now at a point where he's kind of proud of being different. <laughs> um, like when there is the World NF Day, a celebration day, we will make a we'll make a cake and celebrate in school, and he feels like. It's a second birthday. Um, and yeah, so every time he says, oh, mom, why do I have to do this? I, I kind of tell him that um, it's because of NF, but it's also why it's also something that makes him special and that we wouldn't want him any other way. Um, so we kind of try to, to talk about it in a positive way, I would say. That's that's really really good. Um, it's great to transform something that could really, uh, I believe, impact him negatively in terms of like mental health and and, mm. and make it something that he can see as, uh, yeah, some, something that's part of him and to to be proud of. It, it, it's it's amazing. My wife and I have gone through something similar, uh, not, not uh, NF1, but uh, our oldest daughter has gone through many uh, doctor's appointments and, and has her own challenges. But we did the same as you did, uh, being very honest with her and explaining how it makes it, it opens her, her, her mind differently, her brain differently in, in ways. and. As parents, as I'm sure you know, it, it's it's trying to, to pave a, a path that's not uh, that's not negative, mm. despite what's going on. That's at least something that's very important. I don't want to <laughs> make it a a burden for him. Um, at, as long as at least until I mean, at at some point he will get older and he will understand maybe the severity. <laughs> um, but right now, I, I just want him to be a child and try to understand that he also has, as you say, many resources, and that he, if he uses them, he can he can get far and he can do a lot of good things with his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned treatment earlier, and that's something I wanted to to talk about. So you've mentioned treatment, I think, in relation to uh, the hormonal impact. Does he have any other treatment? Um, no. So no. NF1, I mean, there's no treatments at, at this point <laughs> for the underlying causes of NF1. Um, mm -hmm. So it is really a a disease where the patients and the doctors they they wait for the symptoms to develop and then yeah. react with symptomatic treatments um like removing tumors um or operation or surgery for scoliosis um pain medications things like that um but at this point he's only receiving treatment for the hormonal 
fat or the overproduction of hormones. And that's, um, it started up, we have been through several different medications for this. Um, so initially he was started up in, in, in a medication where we had to inject it ourselves every evening um, in his uh, thigh. But he got some quite severe stomach issues from that. And um, so now he's on another uh, product um, where he, we go to the hospital once a month to, um, to have the treatment injected um, into his muscle. And then it's like a depot uh, treatment, so it will be released slowly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, I would say this treatment, it's, it's really painful. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of the worst parts for August at, at this point in terms of his um, symptoms. Yeah, and I can imagine a daily injection must have been quite. <laughs> yeah, but that was actually not as painful because that was like a small needle and it was only just under the skin. So now this depot medication it has to go very far <laughs> into the muscle, <laughs> um, yeah. and it's not really possible to um, to take away the pain completely. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't want to put them into general anesthesia for something like this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but other than that, he doesn't get any medication. That leads me to my next question. Actually, I've follow you on on LinkedIn, and I can see that uh, you you share regularly about NF one, uh, and it sounds like you've turned your experience with August into a mission. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. When we realized or we. We started learning about NF1. I, I remember I was so frustrated because I felt like, how could I mean? I never heard of this disorder, and even though it's rare, it's still quite common. It's not like there are only six people in the world. Like I know some rare diseases, <laughs> yeah, or it's the case of some rare diseases, and I felt really alone. And yeah, so at one point, um, I, I decided to actually. First, I went on sabbatical leave from my work, uh, that the, the work that I had back then, um, in order to engage in the in the community here in Denmark, uh, the NF1 community, and to try to raise awareness. Um, because I just I just thought I had to do something. <laughs> I couldn't just wait for other people to become aware and to maybe. <laughs> I mean, my interest is very much into research and to, of course, at some point develop better treatments. And I'm not a researcher myself so or a doctor, so I won't be able to do it. But I can't. Uh, what I can do is to raise awareness. Um, and yeah, so I, I started working um, for the patient association here in Denmark. And now it's actually become a job for me. So in, back in September um, last year, so... 2023, I, I I decided to quit my job, which was a really big uh, step because <laughs> it's also a security um, to have something. Um, but yeah, and now I'm I'm working for the uh, the association here in Denmark and also doing projects with other NF uh, patient organizations in in Europe and and even in in the US. So. 
yeah, it's it's really been. Um, I, I I don't know. Sometimes I, my husband and I would talk because we had very different approaches. Um, my husband, he he was kind of he felt that he didn't want to know everything in advance. Okay. He wanted to mm -hmm. take the issues as they come along, and uh, maybe that was a way for him to digest or process everything that had happened or while i am the opposite i i need to know everything and i need to be prepared even though it might never become relevant um but i think we together we we have a good uh, it's a good combination because because when i get too worried my husband will kind of <laughs> tell me i have to stop uh, over analyzing everything um, but at the same time, I also feel like I'm, I'm the one who, who really, I mean, at some point I feel, I felt like I knew as much about NF as the, the doctors that we, we visit, um, also because it's a rare disorders, a rare yeah, disorder. Yeah. So not many doctors know that much about it. Um, and especially not when you are seeing different departments at the hospital maybe the one who treats the hormonal uh, overproduction they don't know that much about nf so i felt it was really important to to know <laughs> and to be the one who uh, to be the project manager <laughs> you yeah, could call it yeah. um yeah but yes so i have a um, I, I use all the, the time I have to kind of raise awareness and to try to help the patients. Um, also, in terms of uh, planning um, activities and um, developing informational material about the disorder, so people can learn more and be take be more in control of their own um, disorder. I'm curious when you started raising awareness mm. how how did you do it Um I think I well I mean I'm a in, in general I'm a quite private person um I do have an Instagram but it's private and <laughs> I don't I I wasn't used to like posting things on LinkedIn um and especially not personal things but so it was really a, a, a debate going on with myself and with my husband as well. How much do we want to share? And also for August, um, how will it affect him? But we just, we came to the conclusion that if if everyone is afraid of raising their voice and sharing these things, then how can we ever make more people know about NF? And I think the way also for people to be interested it has to be a bit personal it has to be something that catches them and that they want to like they want to listen um so yeah i just started slowly posting things on linkedin um and then of course uh, engaging with other patients and sometimes i would say i have periods where i'm more vocal and then i need a break for a little while because it's also really tough when you share personal things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not easy. No. 
And have you found a, a community? You're talking about uh, like sharing with other patients. Is there an NF community in Denmark or other countries? Um, yeah, we well, we have this. We have a patient association which actually goes uh, many years back. I think more than 40 years, <laughs> um, and we have members of the association. Um, and yeah, we do during the year. We have different meetings. Um, depending on who um so we have family camps we have um, members meetings where we invite doctors or people who want to who give talks on special topics um okay and that's a really good way to to talk to other patients um mm -hmm. at first i was a bit hesitant to attend these uh, um, activities because i was really afraid of what i would see I was afraid how severely, um, especially adults, would be affected um, because, of course, that's something I think every parent worries about, um, how it will be in the future and what symptoms will develop. Um, but it actually gave me a lot of positive um, experiences and it also calmed me in a way because i can see that a lot of patients actually they live good lives and they have families and they get children and um, mm -hmm. live normal lives um in in some aspects at least so so to me it was actually really helpful to engage in this community um yeah and then i'm i'm attending um different conferences around the world on nf so i've also met um, not only patients and caregivers, but also doctors and researchers. And I think the community is is big, but it's still small enough that people know each other. Um, and it's really nice to have um, experts and doctors that you can reach out to when you when you have questions or just want to learn about something. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's really valuable. It's uh, it's like a a club or like a fitness not, not a fitness club but you know this membership that you you didn't really think you wanted to become part of it but now that you are it's actually very valuable yeah yeah it's, uh, well that sounds really positive and the, the what you said about seeing adults having families mm -hmm. that, that must be so positive for august as well yes <laughs> yeah it can be serious and some people are severely affected um so it's not to undermine <laughs> the severity yeah but, yeah. but there are yeah. also i mean nf is really um it affects patients very differently um and this the symptoms that that the patients will will have also it's not like you will have all symptoms you, you might just yeah. have some um or only few and um and the cases yeah, they they kind of range from very mild to very severe. There's there's no way to predict who will will have a mild case or who will develop more serious symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Well, that takes us to my last question. Yes. Um, it's been incredibly like good to 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 learn more about NF1. By the way, thank you. Uh, I love asking this question to all my guests. What is August's happy place? So a place where he feels at peace. 
Oh, <laughs> um, that's a tricky question. <laughs> well, no, um, I think in like in everyday aspects, August happy place is probably actually being at home building Lego while listening to music or audiobooks. Um, he loves listening to audiobooks about queens and kings and historical events. <laughs> um, so I think that's when he's really at peace and uh, happy. And then he's, he, he, he has a memory as an elephant. I, is that an expression in, in English as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he really enjoys when he meets people that knows about some of the things that he heard about and that he can discuss with and okay. that when they are willing to listen because he can talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's when he really likes to talk and to discuss and just yeah I, I, I think that would that's his most happy place okay well Lego and audiobooks sounds <laughs> very therapeutic actually yeah. so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could get on with that definitely yeah we have a lot of Lego I mean when <laughs> we even my my work desk here at home it's just covered in Lego so <laughs> it's um yeah it it's really been something that we have had have been using a lot for the past years because as you say it's it's therapeutic for him <laughs> and it, mm -hmm. it calms him down <laughs> yeah yeah i do it myself as yeah. well so <laughs> I, I, I get it well thank you so much sarah like i said it's it been really interesting uh it sounds like you've gone through a tough journey but going back to the song you chose <laughs> never give up i feel like you've done the opposite of giving up and actually like gone full on into nf1 and, and helping others so that's incredible thank so you thanks a lot for for joining me and, and sharing on the podcast and thank you for giving me the possibility of raising awareness in in a podcast that's the first time for me so that that was very exciting